Well, welcome, Kappa Beach Faith family, to another podcast that we have for you here. Once again, we never know what's going to happen. This could be really short, really long, depends how I'm feeling on that day. Uh, But it's kind of my unscripted self talking about things like things that are occurring currently in culture, events in society, the things I didn't talk about on the weekend previously. I actually had a really cool experience. I uh, got off the stage on Sunday morning, this past Sunday, and was invited to meet with uh, several other leaders in Santa Barbara. So I left, jumped in my truck, went home, dropped the kids, grabbed some really unhealthy snacks as usual. Are any snacks really healthy? Any good ones at least? (laughs) And then drove up to Santa Barbara. And I had the chance to meet with about 100 or so Christian leaders from around the nation and talk about what's happening in the world today, uh, what we're gonna do about it. Uh, We talked about everything from transhumanism, which is what is the future of humanity and its merge with technology. Uh, We talked about uh, what's happening in the nation and concerning things like revival and uh, young people throwing events on beaches and prayer things and worship, different things. Uh, We talked about mental health and what's happening there. We talked about a lot of different things, but I won't go into all that, of course. Um, But one of the cool things is I got to hang out with a guy named Tim Tebow. Shout out Tim Tebow. Didn't know much about Tim Tebow, uh, except for the fact that when I met him, his biceps were the size of my head. Now, you all see my head each and every Sunday because it has no hair. So you literally see the entirety of my head. And I can guarantee you his bicep was bigger than that. Uh, Tim Tebow, if you did not know, was an ex-football player, was an All-American college player as well, now has a nonprofit, does amazing things around the world with um, valuing the least and the lost and helping society find value for them once again. Uh, You might or might not know, but um, Tebow's mom was advised to abort him because he was supposed to have had Down syndrome. Um, after much prayer, she, of course, denied that opportunity and decided to have him. And now he's out there tearing around the world and um, doing everything he can for God's kingdom. Extremely passionate about it. Uh, very personal, very humble guy, wonderful wife. Uh, and he's on the keto diet. So I'm thinking I need to go keto now. <laughs> uh, I asked him, what diet works best to keep those muscles so humongous? Uh, and he said keto, and he sat there and ate like half of a cow while I was eating pastries. So obviously I'm not keto, probably need to start being keto, uh, but it was great to kind of hang out with him, get time with him. Also with a gentleman by the name of Scott Harrison, uh, started an organization called Charity Water, and Scott is a brilliant mind, and you can always, I find when I go to these events, you can always kind of spot the guys that are like, um, abnormally smart, I guess you could say, or really clever by their inability to sit still while they're in any type of meeting like this. (laughs) And uh, Scott was literally twitching in the back, one legs crossed, bent over, biting. I mean, I've never seen someone chew their thumb. He was literally chewing the skin off his thumb um, while participating in our event. And then I finally got the chance to talk to him and hear all about Um, Charity Waters kind of new plans, how God has really blessed them and the money they've raised, how he's been able to, in this season, um, keep his office open in New York and employ people that are believers and those that are not, yet keep them focused on the same goal, which is not politics, but it is water. 
And so it was a great chance to kind of hang out with him. And then, of course, there are lots of other friends that are there that I have, uh, friends that, some friends, the Myers, they have a thing called She Reads, He Reads, and I think They Read Truth. The big ones, She Reads Truth. For those of you women out there, you're probably following them on Instagram. Great, awesome couple. Um, And amongst lots of other friends that do lots of things in film, making documentaries and scientists got the chance to be um, on a Zoom call with one doctor that just came out of uh, testifying for five hours before the Senate about how we've done with the COVID pandemic and the doctors um, communicating their approval of some things, disapproval of others, and what's our future. Because as you can see, uh, the world's changing right now as restricting restrictions are lifting, uh, mandates are ceasing, and many governments are giving their citizens um, back their authority to choose how they will protect their family with all that's provided to them. So lots of doctors in D.C. are gathering right now in these days, talking to the Senate, talking through kind of what should Joe Biden's um, next stage be post-pandemic, now endemic. Uh, planned. I get that right? Pandemic or epidemic or end. Anyways, something demic coming kind of to the, I guess, moving into a new season now. And one thing that they did say that was interesting, and I'll mention this, and I haven't done too much research about this. So I'm going to mention this casually. You don't have to take me at my word, but these people are much smarter than myself. And probably one thing I've done good in my life is try to have friends that are smarter than me. Uh, It's not that hard. But um, they had mentioned to me, that the new health crisis that we'll probably start begin seeing is going to be the health crisis of climate change. And so there's a lot of stuff being ramped up for that right now. And since America was so quick to, I guess, do what they were told, uh, there's a potential for that maybe to be a bit abused in coming days. That's not an argument here nor there on climate change. That's not an argument if it's there or that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the word on the street is um, just keep your eyes peeled because it appears to be that maybe the next big health crisis that they'll declare is one having to do with the climate crisis or climate change. So it was a great uh, couple of days I got with all these guys. Um, my friend Gabe Lyons, you can look him up on Google, brilliant writer, and his wife Rebecca Lyons, another brilliant writer. You can look her up on Google and Instagram. They have a podcast called um, Rhythms of Life Podcast. That's amazing. I encourage you to uh, click over on Spotify and do a search for them and subscribe to their podcast. They're the ones that host this gathering, and they've been hosting these leaders and lots of new leaders each and every time they gather for over 19 years. And uh, it's just a joy that I've been able to be included in that group and get to hang out and spend time with them. I did not get a chance to even touch my notes this weekend. Uh, I had the goal of talking through a few of the Beatitudes and I did not, that I, I think I talked about one of them. I had like four of them I wanted to and there's like nine of them. So horrible job teaching pastor fire me did not do a good job uh, but alas there is a series called live your best life uh, on our website you can scroll down it's been a couple of years when you go to our website click sermons or messages whatever it is and scroll down or um, and you should be able to find that series and i go through each one of the beatitudes each different week uh, but i thought what i would do today since we didn't get a chance to cover that and so many were 
um, wanting me to, or then kind of asking me for my notes thereafter, I thought, well, I would just kind of touch on what I was planning to touch on with the Beatitudes, um, though not go into depth on all of them, but just mention a couple of them. So that's kind of what I'm gonna do. So I'd like to just talk through some of that and uh, some of the things I wanted to share, share them here. Let me just read them since you're probably listening to me driving your car and you're trying to remember which verses they are. I'll just read them. It's Matthew chapter five and they start in verse three. Jesus said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, but they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. For they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Uh, These are a list of um, attitudes where Jesus, rather than bringing up a bunch of new commandments, cuts right to the heart of the believer and says, you already know the commandments, but this is how now you're meant to live. If you really want to be human, the way I'm human, the way you should be human, the way you're designed to be human. This is the positions of your heart that I want you to have. And so you have to kind of visualize this. This is people gathered on a hillside, most likely in Galilee. Uh, We know this is a place that other revolutionaries or maybe false messiahs in the past had gathered. But when Jesus is up there, it's the crowd is humongous. And the reason why people had the time to follow Jesus around is because a lot of people were poor. A lot of people that he kind of had follow him were the ones that had no work, had no money, maybe had no families, were the outcast pushed aside. Uh, The elite and those that were doing fine kind of didn't really show up unless it was like really pertinent to them or they had a loved one they wanted to get healed or whatever. But this group of people are kind of the down and out. And in a sense, essentially they are the poor. And so he's going to start with this group of people and say, hey, you're part of the revolution. You're, you're, You're part of the new way to be human, but this is how you're meant to live. And the first one he mentions is that those who are poor and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, when you read the NLT, it's kind of skips over common language. We would read that as those who are poor in spirit. Now, we understand that most people there are probably stuck in some type of poverty, probably are poor, but he's talking about being poor in spirit. And what that means is being so emptied out in and of yourself, you desperately need someone greater than yourself. Now, Of course, we would think sometimes that poor people in the sense of poor being tied to how much money is in their bank account, they would be poor in spirit. But I don't know about you. I have some friends that are pretty poor uh, and they're not poor in spirit at all. They're pretty convinced they're doing it just the way it needs to be done. In fact, I would say that it's their pride that's keeping them poor in some respect because they're not willing to work with other people. They're convinced they're always right. They always lose their job because they can't find a way to communicate. So, Poverty in this situation isn't a poverty of finance. It's a poverty of spirit. It's saying, hey, I'm going to approach God in poverty, meaning that I'm going to empty out everything I have myself and a desire to just have him. So I'm going to spend my pride to have more of God. I'm going to spend my judgment. I'm going to ring up the debt of gossip in my life. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to empty it all out. I'm going to use it to the max so that none of that stuff's in my heart and I'm so broken in my spirit. Uh, I can't get by on my own. And God says, boom, that's exactly where you need to be. That it's not about 
drumming up the strength in yourself to be human. It's about pouring out your humanity so I can come in and give you the kingdom of God. So he brings up this idea of being poor in spirit. And those are important spirit. What do you get? You have the kingdom of heaven. That when you get to that place of poverty within yourself, you go, is there any way up? And he goes, yeah, the entirety of the kingdom of heaven. But to get into the kingdom of heaven, you have to recognize you don't have the strength in yourself to make it through your life. You need me, Jesus, to help you get there. And when I come in, I come in with the riches of the kingdom of heaven. Again, kingdom of heaven could represent, you know, blessing that comes down financially, maybe, or comes down um, relationally or socially, sure. But but ultimately, he's talking about this deeper sense inside of ourselves, this, this deeper stuff that the attitudes within our heart, the stuff that really governs our lives. The next beatitude he mentions is, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, I think there's different kinds of mourning. Uh, I think, yes, he is addressing the initial mourning that we think of, which is the loss of a loved one. I, um, uh, it's been kind of heart wrenching, but there is a friend that I've had for gosh, more than 20 years. Uh, I can remember the first time I met him in Hawaii. I was in my twenties. He was a bit older than me. Uh, I knew that he was a really good, like diver, spear fisherman. Um, he was just, everyone thought he was a legend, even though he was only a few years older than us. Very adventurous guy, very talented in all things, water, mountaineering. Uh, he was, um, Swiss from Switzerland, but he was from the French speaking side of Switzerland. He actually grew up in the mountains. And if you know of like Lake Geneva and the mountains surrounding there, that's kind of the area that he grew up in. But of course he moved to Hawaii and became kind of a legend in Hawaii. This, this guy who is a Swiss French guy that was just so talented at all things water. And so I met him and said, Hey, I want you to take me diving. And so he was the first guy that I swam with at nighttime. The first guy that I had sharks attack, attack the fish that I had shot with. Uh, the first guy that took me into adventures, climbing into water canals, catching freshwater prawns, hiking over valleys, <laughs> uh, off-roading to the point of getting stuck and figuring out how to get out of that, how to actually properly four by in very difficult terrain. He was taught all, all that stuff to me. And then he got married. I got married. We both started having kids. Uh, we kind of grew up we didn't grow, we grew apart in the sense that we weren't living in the same place anymore as I'm in California and he was in Hawaii, uh, but we still kept in touch. He was just one of those friends that you have that's such a good friend that it doesn't matter when you see them. It's like the bromance is there. All the love is there. For, like, it's like you didn't skip a beat, even if maybe a half a year went by or a year went by. Anyways, all that to say, I was called right around Christmas that he had had a massive heart attack in his living room and was in critical condition. And the hope was he'd make it out of it. He has four kids, 16 down to nine. And uh, of course, sadly, um, he didn't make it and he passed away. Now, I haven't had the chance to have anyone in my family pass away just yet, but I am getting to the age where this kind of stuff is starting to happen to friends. But he's the first close friend that had that happen. And man, mourning isn't something that happens in a moment. It's definitely a process. And Jesus promises us that with him, one thing that we will experience being humans is mourning. But he says, with me, I will be the one that will comfort you in that morning. And you wonder how people find comfort in mourning, not knowing of a greater place that their loved ones might go to, not having 
a greater being flood your heart with a greater sense of love and um, hope and comforting. Um, but Jesus is saying that as a human, you're going to mourn, but as a human doing life my way, having me in your life, I will be there to comfort you. But again, with all these things, you can't think that's only the kind of mourning either. I think that deep sense of loss that you feel with a loved one or a friend, like I'm kind of processed through. In fact, I was just in Hawaii a couple of weeks ago and took some friends to hike in the valley that him and I used to do some of our wild adventures in. And to be honest, I was like fighting back tears the whole time I was hiking down in the sense of feeling of loss for him. But of course, always being empathetic, knowing his wife is even more, has even more of a loss than his kids, but still it doesn't affect the fact that I'm still mourning. But taking that same feeling, I think Jesus would say, but take that same feeling and also mourn the fact that your pride oftentimes gets in the way of really having me in your life. Like, I think there's a mourning that we're meant to have as a believers as well, knowing that like, we don't do the right thing, say the right thing. And we shouldn't just brush it off, but we should actually mourn the fact that like, we should grieve the fact that we hurt people and we hurt ourselves and that innately we don't even really desire to have God in our lives. (laughs) That like oftentimes we just want to be our own gods and do our own thing, except for when we come to church on Sunday. And then we're like, oh yeah, I got to do everything the way Jesus says it. Then we go back to Monday and we're like, I got it now. That I think this attitude, he's saying, listen, you should not just, of course, you're going to mourn loved ones and I'll comfort you there, but I'm also going to comfort you when you are mourning the fact that you're not able to do the right things in your life. I think there's a comfort that he brings to say, it's okay, I'm going to change you. It's okay. You can grieve your mistake. You can grieve your sin, but know that there's joy in the other side because I'm here to comfort you even in that way. I, I, I think when we read Jesus, Oftentimes we read them in like the red letters or depending on your Bible, maybe it's black letters, but we read it as text that's very two-dimensional. Like this text is two-dimensional on this page. Maybe I see it kind of in 3D when I hold it up like this, but I think there's a deeper dimension always to Christ's words and that he's always gonna talk at the level that we see and ultimately feel, but he always wants to drive it even deeper, which is into the places of our heart that, um, that we can read books about, and think about, but the idea that you can be so close to someone and then they could not be here anymore. And years later, you can be flooded with a bunch of emotions in their absence. And that can literally alter the way you live that day shows that there's a greater power with inside of how we feel about things. That's often greater than just what we see in touch with our hands. Cause gosh, they've been gone for a while, but you still feel their absence. Like truly that shows the depth of our being is not just one of a physical material being that we have, but the deeper aspects of our heart are, uh, our understanding that we are not just physical beings, but we also, we are also spiritual beings. Oh, I could talk about these forever, but I'm not going to do that. Um, let's see. We're kind of getting to the mark here. I don't want, I want to keep these to about 25 minutes or so. Cause that's kind of like an average commute. Uh, and if you skipped an episode and you're stuck in LA traffic, maybe you can listen to two and then you're like 20, 50, you're like 50 minutes and you're stoked. Uh, let's talk about this one. Cause this one always gets confused. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. They will see God. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, but they will see God. I believe when God's 
Jesus is talking about purity of heart. He's not meaning that you have a pure heart in a sense you never do anything wrong. I think he says purity after he's talked about being poor in spirit and mourning. I think the idea is that we've come to the end of ourselves, that when we come to the end of ourselves, the end of us wanting our life the way we want it, how we want to run everything, we kind of come to the end of that, that and we kind of come to the place where we're like, okay, Lord, you know, we want you. We've received your mercy and your grace. We want you. That's a pure heart. It's not a heart that's never done anything wrong or never will do anything wrong or isn't even not doing anything wrong in the moment. It's a heart that's purely submitted to God to, to try to do what's right in that situation. And when you do what's right and your heart is in a place to want to do what's right and you accept his forgiveness for the things you do wrong, that's when you begin to see God all around you. And, it, and, and the word here in the Hebrew for see is not like casually looking. The actual Greek word is about deeply gazing. So it's this idea of seeing God, like the depth of who God is, and you begin to see him and the things he's trying to do around you. I can remember, I can remember a while ago, uh, I uh, got a package dropped off my door, went outside, got the package. Uh, I couldn't make out the name of who it was for, but it had my address on it. So I opened it up. It was a Nike package and I opened it up and had all these super expensive Nike goods. Not only that, it had Nike Air Maxes, a really rare pair that were expensive. And what's crazy is they were in my size. And I thought, oh my gosh, I didn't order this, but obviously God wanted me to have this because it's at my, it got brought to my door. I, Obviously, it was probably for someone else. I couldn't make out the name, but it had an address on it. So I opened it up and I, I'll admit it. I kind of tried the shoes on, didn't take the tags off. And I'm like, well, these, they legit fit me right now. Like, like, this is amazing. So I thought, okay, well, I mean, if no one claims them, I mean, doesn't Nike just ultimately write this stuff off? Or if, or if a shipment gets sent somewhere else, if you call Nike, you didn't get a shipment. They're a big enough corporation. They got enough money. They'll just send it to you again. So I thought, you know, maybe this is a gift from God. So I kept them. <laughs> well, I had to keep them. I had nowhere to, to put them or send them, but I didn't use them. I, I kind of sat on it for a couple of days and then I was going to travel. My buddy that was in town said, well, would you buy a bunch of new Nike stuff? And I go, well, no, I, you know, I, I didn't buy it, but, but, but I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe God gave it to me. And I told him the story. I was like, whoa, it's crazy. I'm like, I know, like, I guess it's for me. And he goes, or is it? And I'm like, well, well I don't know. Like, I don't, maybe it is or it isn't. Anyway, so then I decided not to do anything. I was going to travel a bit. He was at home. I'd leave it alone. Well, sure enough, somehow, I don't know how, Nike was able to track that the package was brought to delivered to my door. They looked me up, got a hold of my email, contacted me and said, hey, we believe a package was sent to your house that was not yours. And I thought, oh my gosh, how did they know? How did they even find me? So I, I responded, yes, I have the package. Kind of a little disappointed because I thought, man, those Air Max 90s were sick. I'd love to have those. And I sent them, and they said, okay, they'll be picking them up. So <laughs> this is the crazy part. So I told my friend, they're going to pick them up. It was like Tuesday evening. So he's waiting at my house. And sure enough, they come to pick them up. And you'll never guess the name of the guy who picked up the Nikes. His name was Jesus. <laughs> Jesus came to get his Nikes back and bring them to where they belong. Now, I laugh at that, but I think there was something there where all of, obviously at all times, we're kind of tempted to do kind of what we want to do, how we want to do it, justify it in our own little way. But to be honest, it would have been right to keep them. I should have done everything I could to put them away. 
The heart attitude should have been, you know what? I should at least do my best to get this where they are. And eventually if I can't, well, then I guess I'll keep them or take them to the Nike store. I think that's the idea of a pure heart. It's not that you're not going to think your own way or try your own way. It's that you're willing to be in the process of eventually getting yourself to do what's right. And as you're willing to be challenged in that way and challenge yourself and not justify your poor actions away, that you could you know, get the chance to begin to see what God's doing. And ironically, <laughs> I didn't get to see Jesus, but my friend got to see Jesus when he came to the door and collected his shoes. So I think that's the idea of pure heart. Now, again, there's a series on this, Live Your Best Life. I'd encourage you to go check it out at our website. But these Beatitudes are the framework for what it means to live a better way of being human according to Jesus. He, he's going to get in the very beginning of his Sermon on the Mount, he's going real deep right away. He's not pulling any punches. He's not talking about like how you spend your money yet. He's not talking about should you be happy or angry. He'll get there, but he's initially starting with the root issues in our heart. So my encouragement to you is get into these Beatitudes. As we get into the Sermon on the Mount, maybe consider reading these Beatitudes like, I don't know, like every day or every other day because these Beatitudes are going to be things that he's now going to reflect on in the remainder of his Sermon on the Mount. All right. Well, I hope that was a good podcast for you all. Uh, I have some cool things that I'm thinking about doing in these coming weeks. But please, again, any time, write in to my email, mattw at capochurch.com. mattw at capochurch.com. If you have any questions or things you'd like me to discuss or things happening in culture that you'd like me to bring up, uh, I'd love to hear from you. And I'll do my best each and every week to address those. If not, maybe design a whole episode on that issue. Uh, but I need to hear from you. We want this podcast to serve you, Capo family. We want this podcast to be something that you enjoy, that you are a part of shaping. So the only way that can happen is if you write in and give us some feedback. So looking forward to it, enjoying this time with you all. And I uh, can't wait to catch you uh, next week during our next podcast.